Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Whiskey Talk with Mario. I have my whiskey poured. Do you? All right, let's get started. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is an update on the 30-mile run. So I've been practicing. I've been running. Uh, I ran three miles first, and I ran four miles just to get my legs and my feet used to the impact of running. And I did pretty good. My cardio is decent. Now, I ran it at a pace of 11 minutes per mile. Now, all you freaking runners out there are going to be criticizing me. Look, screw you, all right? I'm not a runner. This is not my forte. All right, so I'm doing my best. I, I could probably run it in less than 11 minutes. But remember, I'm practicing for a 30-mile run, okay? So cut me some slack. Might even have to do it slower than that, maybe a 12-minute mile. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm practicing. I'm getting there. You guys wish me luck, man. Um, oh, one of, the, one of the things that really affected me was uh, although my cardio is good, my lungs were good, heart rate was good, uh, my quads started to tighten up, especially my left quad. It really contracted. It felt like I was, uh, I was starting to get spasms on my left quad, and it's been weak for the past couple of days. Like I, I got out of, out of bed this morning. I took a step, and my whole leg just kind of <laughs> got weak, and I damn near fell on my ass. But yeah, it's weird. I uh, probably just got to stretch, get a massage, just loosen loosen up the muscles there. But I should be okay. And uh, you know what? I'm going to finish that run no matter what. I don't care how tight my legs get. I will finish it. And I will finish it. If I have to drag myself for the rest of the miles, I will do it. I will not give up. All right? There's no giving up. There's no bitching out. I will do that fucking run. You guys are hearing it here. I'm committed. Why? Because I'm a freaking maniac. Anyways. So, uh, yesterday I went to Malibu. But I made a quick stop to Santa Monica. And, man, it's like uh, it's like Zombieland out there, man. There's tweakers everywhere. It's terrible. You can't even walk anymore in, in it without being alert. Because at any point, any of these tweakers are very unpredictable. And they might jump on you or do some dumb shit. So... That's one thing I wanted to talk about with you guys. I want you guys to give me some input, but what do you think is a solution to this homelessness or this homeless crisis? Right? Do you think that housing all of them is going to be a solution? Do you think that, I mean, do we put people back into mental institutes? What do we do? Because I am, uh, I don't, I don't see the solution to this problem, and it's getting worse. Um, the economy is shitty. And although California is a very rich state, probably the richest in the nation, I need to search that up to make sure. But we are a rich state. But remember, we have a lot of wealth inequality. And there's a small portion of the population that owns the majority of the wealth. Now, I'm not one of these people out here with my signs. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not out here like with the Bernie people and, and, uh, demanding that we all get equal rights and equal wealth. You know, that's not what I do. I'm just saying it's a fact. 
it's a fact that there's wealth inequality. Um, now, is it because most of us are not taking advantage of the opportunity? It could be. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the opportunities that are out there for all of us to get a, you know, a, a piece of the pie, but we're not taking those opportunities like other people are. Are we all investing in, in the stock market or in uh, stock options? Or are we investing in crypto? Are we doing anything? Are we opening up our businesses? Are we doing anything? So that's, you know, that's why I don't, I don't, I used to be that person, but I no longer am because I, I, for myself, I speak for myself. I feel like I don't need their wealth. I don't need anything of what these people have. They can have it. They can hog it. I think that there's enough for me to put a roof over my head, have a car and provide for my family. That's what I've been doing since I was young and I'm still doing it. All right. It's all about budgeting. All right. It's all about making sure you're going to spend like an idiot and about hustling and investing. So anyways, uh, here I go again, deviating from the main topic, homelessness. How do we fix this homeless shit? Where did it come from? So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ideas out there of where this homelessness crisis started. Um, a lot of points of views, right? Interesting ones. So one of them was that initially, like in, in Los Angeles, for example, Skid Row, known to be the epicenter of the homelessness crisis, right? The homeless crisis. Um, if if I remember correctly, well, I'm gonna check myself on this later. But it was sorry, it was initially uh, Skid Row was a place for Vietnam veterans to come and get uh, come and get benefits and find resources. And somehow, more and more people that were not Vietnam veterans started going there and uh, using the missions and all that. Ah, this is whiskey. Ooh. Anyways. Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. So the other thing was uh they blamed Reagan. Uh if I remember correctly, Reagan signed a few laws uh which emptied out or kind of closed down the mental institutes and released all the mental mentally ill people into the streets, which further ex exacerbated this issue. Um, let me see. Let me see if I can find something on that. I have an article here by KQED. This is some, uh, I believe it's a podcast. And uh, let's see, it says here, D, D is, holy shit. The institutionalization, the institution, the institutionalization. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, a history. All right. So let's see. Uh, 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 let's get into Ronald Reagan. 1967, Ronald Reagan is elected governor of California. If you guys didn't know this, yeah, Reagan was our governor in the 60s. At this point, the number of patients in state hospitals had fallen to 22,000. And the Reagan administration uses the decline as a reason to make cuts to the Department of Mental Hygiene. Okay, so he, he made... Uh, cuts to the Department of Mental Hygiene and justifying it by saying that there was a fall in the numbers of patients in state hospitals. So basically saying, why are we going to keep funding this and spending money on this 
when uh is not is not being used enough. Okay. They cut 2,600 jobs and 10% of budget despite reports showing that the hospitals were already below recommended staffing levels. All right. So he was, uh, you know, from the right wing perspective, he was budgeting. He was um, balancing the budget. All right. 1967, Reagan signs the Lantern Man Petrus Short Act and ends the practice of institutionalization uh, institutionalizing patients against their will or for indefinite amounts of time. This law is regarded by some as a patient's bill of rights. Sadly, the care outside of state hospitals was inadequate. The year after the law goes into effect, a study shows that the number of mentally ill people entering San Mateo's criminal justice system doubles. 1969, Reagan reverses earlier budget cuts. He increased spending on the Department of Mental Hygiene by record of $28 million. 1973, the number of patients in California state mental hospitals falls to 7,000. All right. So then again, as a president, he continued uh, to um, he continued to uh, sign bills, you know, that kind of exacerbated the issue. Now, this is most likely from some kind of uh, a left-wing uh, podcast or liberal podcast. So, uh, you know, the, the way they're, they're explaining it kind of um, makes Reagan look like the bad guy. Uh, there's obviously two sides to a coin. So was Reagan doing it, you know, because he legitimately thought that we were wasting money? And the other question is, did this action actually lead to the current homeless crisis? Because remember, everything boils down to history. The way things happen in history create future problems. This is why history is such a beautiful topic, and I love it so much. Because you, when you have a problem, you can always go back and look at where the root of the issue is. So do you guys believe that Reagan was responsible for um, exacerbating this homeless crisis or homelessness crisis? And do you believe also that... Um, um, the economy right now, there's a, you know, wealth inequality. Do you believe that that uh, adds to the problem? Or do you think it's bullshit? Do you think people are just not being intelligent about their money? What do you guys think? Hit me up. Tell me. There's two sides to the story. Sometimes plenty of different more sides. There's three dimensions, four dimensions to all this shit. So, yeah, talk to me. What do you think? Because I don't see a solution, honestly. It's pretty bad. Speaking of California, it looks like we are going to recall Newsom. Uh, let's see here. Our governor, uh, Newsom, 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 Newsom with the M, recall. All right. Let me pull up something real quick. Boom, 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 boom. Recall leaders who over Newsom, valid reference. These are Gavin Newsom's most uprising allies in the recall fight. When recall vote locked in virtual debt heat. All right, let's see. Let's read this one real quick. This is from the deadline. Newsom, California recall vote locked in a virtual debt heat. According to new poll, governor in trouble with Latino voters. Yeah. A new statewide poll of a thousand registered voters shows a virtual dead heat between Californians who want to see Governor Newsom recalled and those who don't. The 
The Inside California Politics Emerson College poll conducted July 30, uh, August 1st, 2021, found 46% of respondents in favor of recalling Neism and 48% of voters against his recall. Those numbers are within the poll's 3% margin of error. Right, you guys know what a three what a margin of error is, right? Making the results a virtual, if not literal, dead heat. Six percent of voters were undecided. So, anyways, we are going to vote on whether we should recall our governor or not. Now, here's the thing: when this whole COVID situation started, I supported our governor. Again, I'm I'm neither left nor right. I'm not liberal nor conservative. I'm a mixed bag as we all should be. So I started supporting Newsom. I was like, look, man, we need to give this man a try. He's he's a man in charge. Let's not go against him. Let's just listen. And I lost all respect for him when those images came out of him in a, a little party and no mask, you know, and, and people are literally getting arrested for having parties and things like that. But, you know, Mr. Uh, Newsom, he was out there being a hypocrite. Now, saying shit like this might get me in trouble, but that's okay. That's fine. I don't give a fuck. Hold on. Let me sip my whiskey. So, yeah, I lost respect for the man. Uh, I don't trust him anymore. Obviously, it was my bad for trusting a politician in the first place, but that's be that's besides the point. I really did try to give him that respect as a voter. Um, you know, I, I tried to follow his lead and he came out and kind of betrayed the people, you know, with doing that as, uh, so many times these people tend to do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I can't tell you what I'm, how I'm going to vote, but you kind of take a wild guess as I'm speaking right now. Um, the other problem is this whole gun situation. Uh, Newsom has been pretty bad for us second amendment supporters gun owners you know he's uh he's not really shown any support for us whatsoever he's uh completely against us and i don't like that so you know uh hopefully we get if if he get does get recalled and replaced hopefully we get someone with a level head not someone who's you know ultra conservative or ultra liberal we don't need that all right we need someone who has little bit of sense that can think outside the box who's not in a bubble this is the problem with politicians and voters is we're in this stupid bubble right and whatever my tribe says i'll follow that you know we just we're just followers at this point we don't make up our own ideas so yeah what do you guys think you think he's gonna get recalled i don't know that's a good one but if he does, it'll be interesting. And let's see. One more thing I wanted to talk about uh, before I end this little episode. It's going to be a short one, guys. Sorry, guys. had to go away for a second, but I'm back. And let's continue this. Um, yeah, last time that I spoke about fitness, there's one thing that I wanted to mention that I completely forgot. And uh, again, I'm not an expert, so this is not official advice. You know, this is just me 
coming to a conclusion based on what I've seen. Okay. So when it comes to fitness, I personally believe that we all have specific genetics that we should train for. Or how do I? Specific genetics that determine how we train or what we get into. So, for example, right? Um, my genetics, my background, I'm Guatemalan. And although from my mother's side, um, there's a heavy Spanish mix, Spaniard mix. Um, from my dad's side, I believe it's a bit more uh, mestizo or you know, mixed with indigenous. So anyways, the way my body is built, I have very short muscle bellies. My calves are short. My, my, um, uh, shit. My brain is malfunctioning again. <laughs> my forearms, right? My biceps, like all the muscle bellies in my body are short. What does this mean? Does it mean that I have terrible genetics? Does it mean that I'm never going to be aesthetic? No, it means that I was built for a certain purpose. My peoples, the Mayans, they evolved for certain, you know, environments like the jungle, like hunting in the jungle. And this is the reason why I was built this way. Now I have, I have, uh, what do you call it? I, I, I don't, I don't have like, I'm not big boned. Okay. So, you know, the way, the way my body is, it, it looks very narrow. So I was built like this for a reason. And this is because I come from, uh, you know, ancestors that were always running, hunting, you know, jumping, doing a bunch of, you know, athletic shit. So my body type is meant to be a bit more athletic. I'm meant to be a bit more lean, a bit more athletic looking. That's just my genetics. And I, I, I used to train to be big as fuck, right? I used to try to do like the bodybuilder shit. I tried doing the powerlifting shit. And there's limitations to that for me because of the way my body is built. Again, I have small wrists. Right, small ankles, small small uh muscle bellies. So I'm built different. So I can possibly get away enough if I continue to train that way. But why would I force my body to do something it wasn't meant to do? My body was meant to be explosive, powerful. It was meant to be athletic. And so I decided to start training that way and I've had better results. I've noticed that I can really um, do well in calisthenics, body weight type stuff. I bought gymnast rings. Um, I'm starting to learn how to do all kinds of tricks on that. And it just feels right. You know, my tendons are getting strong. Um, you know, I'm not built like a Greek god. But I, I could see I'm fit. I'm fit, you know. And... I enjoy that style of workout. And I think the reason I enjoy it is because my body responds well to it. So, yeah, um, look at your genetics. Look at how you're built and train for it. If you're short and stocky and big boned, most likely you'll do good at, at, at uh, powerlifting. Right. So that's, I don't know, it's just a thought, something that came to my head. Um, same thing goes for fighting, right? Uh, I was having this conversation with, with someone at work. Uh, we were talking about Mike Tyson, and he was telling me how he thinks um, the peekaboo style in boxing is the best style and everyone should use it. And I disagreed with him. I said, no, because not everyone is built like Mike Tyson. 
The reason he wasn't the only one that used the peekaboo style, but he was the one that perfected it. And the reason being is because he he had the proper genetics for it. He he had the right genetics for it. Oh man, I'm getting a call. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pause. Sorry guys, I had to take that call. But anyways, I'm back. Um, I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. So, anyways, yeah, as I was saying, um, train for your genetics. I think it's a good idea to do that. And back to the topic of boxing. Uh, you know, there's there's fighters who are long, lanky. Who there's fighters who um, are thinner. There's fighters who have certain, you know, um, what is it? Certain characteristics that won't allow them to the the peekaboo, peekaboo style, or it's not that I won't allow them. They wouldn't be as successful as someone like Mike Tyson, for example. You know, doing the uh, the peekaboo style. And Mike Tyson trained completely only body weight, and he was huge, right? But this is because Mike Tyson had those genetics. He was big boned. All right. Me, um, I'm more of a small frame type of guy. Now, is this a deficiency? Would you say, oh, you're not as manly as the other guys or you're negative? No, that's the total opposite. You know, my genetics, I'm, I have a small frame for a reason. It's what helped my ancestors survive. You know what I mean? So I have no shame in the way I'm built. In fact, I embrace it and I train to make it the best version of itself. So think about that. All right. Look at your genetics. Look how you're built. Embrace it. Train for it. If you're a fighter, if you lift weights, if you do calisthenics, whatever the case may be, listen to your genetics. Follow your genetics. And I think we'll be all right. All of us. If we train properly. Right? Don't injure yourself. Don't be stupid. Don't ego live. Don't do dumb shit like I do. Anyways, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. <clears throat> this uh, this whiskey's starting to hit me, so I'm just gonna end it right here. Like always, thank you for listening. And this was another episode of Whiskey Talk with Mario.